Welcome to the Animation Happy Hour. A podcast where we talk about breaking into the animation industry over a couple of drinks. All opinions and views expressed in this podcast are solely our own and are not representative of the companies for whom we work. So welcome, guys. If this is your first time listening, my name is Garrett, and I'm a character animator at Disney. My name is Katie, and I'm currently an apprentice animator at Disney. And my name is Ben, and I'm a character animator at DreamWorks. And today, we are sipping on some lovely homemade sangria, sangria. from our very own yeah. Baby Gare Bear, Garrett Lewis himself. <laughs> <laughs> Baby Gare Bear. Garrett slaved over the sangria last night, it seems. Yeah. It's been fermenting for quite a, quite a yeah. bit. It's not the right word it's for lovely. sangria, but it's lovely. <laughs> it's, it's pretty good. It's pretty refreshing. Essence of strawberry and orange. and. That's right. Yeah. There's berries. All the good stuff. Um, Everything you think of when you hear Garrett Lewis is in this drink. (laughs) (laughs) It's just me in a jar. (laughs) So, getting right into it. Today, our episode is focusing on things we wish we knew while we were in school. Yeah, we want to spare all you students the mistakes that we made when we were back in school. And specifically, when we were talking about school, I think this episode will heavily focus on brick-and-mortar schools Mm -hmm. that we all went to... Uh, brick and mortar like four year back in the day. Places. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it, it will definitely heavily favor that part of the conversation. Yeah, but that's something we're going to address in the future, right? Is brick and mortar versus mm-hmm. online and kind of what's what might work best for you. And Absolutely. we're structuring this in a top 10 fashion, so we will have 10 points to focus on uh, throughout the episode. Yeah, and uh, if we just want to get started with number one, uh, one of the important things we wanted to mention is... Working in animation doesn't necessarily mean being an animator. Um, This is something I wish I had known in school. You know, at NYU, um, they kind of focus on animation and story and visual development. They don't really talk about, for instance, production, which is a whole other side to animation. And most of my friends who've graduated uh, ended up in production. Mm -hmm. And it's a totally viable career path. And it's a very necessary part of, of being in a studio. So just know, you know, experiment with different things and try new things and you know you might be interested in one you might have an idea of what you're interested in at first but then you try out something that you really like Mm -hmm. and then that's what you want to do yeah I would stay flexible I know a lot of curriculums have it built in that you'll kind of take a stab at modeling or rigging or or that kind of thing like as you are gearing up to specialize and definitely keep an open mind and you never know what might, you know, strike your fancy. And then uh, later on, you have time to specialize. But I think definitely those first two years, just explore and be open-minded, see what interests you. Absolutely. Yeah. Did you guys find when you took classes that something, you, like you enjoyed something that you didn't expect when you were in school? Like you're like, oh, wow, I could really do this. I know you did graphic design, Ben. Uh-huh. Um, Early on. Um Gosh, you know, for me, I'm kind of a bad example because I, <laughs> I, I kind of, I thought I wanted to do animation and I just kind of stuck with it, uh, character animation. But there, there were times actually, to answer your question, <laughs> I, I did kind of really enjoy modeling when I 
when I got into it a little bit and, you know, could see myself. Like CG know. modeling, not a, oh, not yeah. a you know, <laughs> beauty <laughs> modeling. Well, no, the hairline would not stand for that. No. <laughs> but no. <laughs> You'd be a beautiful model then. <laughs> oh, thanks, Kat. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I, I'm the one that's married to you. <laughs> we have to keep mentioning that. So, so sometimes I forget. I'm like, which one of these two people am I married to? Because I can imagine a really happy life with both of them. So, <laughs> yes. But you know what? I think a lot of people go into school. I don't know, maybe it was different at NYU, but I felt like every other person at SCAD was like, oh, I'm interested in animation and character design. Right. Like when we first started, because mm-hmm. a lot of times, you know, you hear about being an animator and a lot of people like to draw and it's really exciting to think about, you know, designing characters for a movie. Um, so it's nice then when you get into school and you kind of, you find out there's a million other things. Yeah. You can so be much in, to so. it. I think probably 90% of our class at SCAD came in saying they wanted to be animators. And then we have a ton of friends that deviated from that path and ended up specializing in visual development, rigging, modeling, all of the above. So you really, yeah, keep an open mind. You never know. And speaking of open mind, actually, Garrett, speaking of people changing paths and doing things differently, you... Yeah, I CG went into, was totally a new thing. Oh, it was, it. yeah. I, yeah, I went into mm-hmm. um, school doing live action. If you guys watch our intro episodes, you can kind of hear a, a little bit about how we got into animation. But mm-hmm. definitely I experimented a lot. I uh, wanted to do writing, editing, you know, um, cinematography. Um, and I wanted to do modeling, CG modeling. And so there's just a lot of opportunity in school to experiment with different things. Um, and one episode I'd love to do, it'd be challenging to do but is to talk about kind of like the whole pipeline in in a little like an overview of the whole mm-hmm. pipeline and mm-hmm. then we can kind of give an overview of what it is and what people might be interested in i know totally. uh, you mentioned that dreamworks uh, has an awesome video mm-hmm. on that which we can put in the show notes absolutely yeah something i often do when students reach out to me and ask about uh, what should i specialize in i'll send them examples of the pipeline like there's this one really awesome dreamworks special i think it was a behind the scenes feature on a dvd or something where they go into depth on every step of the cg pipeline and really explain what those steps do and you know i would recommend watching that kind of video and seeing does something really speak to you and it might even be um, I've also recommended this, that you research the demo reels of the different disciplines and then you'll, right off the bat, I think get a pretty good gut response on what looks cool to you. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a rigging reel and you're seeing the rig being demoed or if it's a modeling reel and you're looking at the topology, something will probably speak to you or maybe it's a storyboarding portfolio, who knows. But definitely take the time to look at different examples of work from the different disciplines, especially if you're, you know, maybe you're a high school senior and you're in summer right before you're heading off to art school. I think that would be time very, very well yeah. spent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great point. I think we wanted to lead off by saying this because further on in this episode, we're going to be talking a lot about really focusing in on, on what you want to do and, and catering your curriculum to that. Um, but yeah, it's so important that early on, I think, you know, even though when we first get to school, we're just, you know, 18, 19 years old, we really know nothing about the industry. But I think there is kind of this, this unfair pressure to be like, oh, figure out exactly what you want to do. And you're going to be, you know, study it for four years and become an expert and go on. But there's certainly nothing wrong with, you know, you get into school and you try something, you're like, oh, it's not quite what I expected. So you change paths. And that's a very, very normal thing to do. So it's, 
it's good to kind of just comfort yourself over this first you know year or two and say, hey, I'm just going to try some things and and see what sticks. So kind of transitioning from that point, once you do choose to specialize, whatever it is, if you're you're choosing a discipline like animation, CG animation, character animation, or you choose to be a generalist, our second point is very important. It is. Uh, number two, real is the most important thing that the companies care about when hiring you. I remember I, I mean, all through my life, I've been pretty much a straight A student and cared a lot about my GPA. But when it comes down to it, I don't even think the companies care about your GPA whatsoever. They might not even look at your resume. No. Um, they're probably pooling all of the demo reels of the applicants for whatever job they're trying to hire for. And who knows if they even take a look at that resume and, and for who knows if they're even looking at the GPA I, at I that. I still have my GPA yeah. on my resume. I do it's too. It <laughs> it's yeah. so stupid. Like, I don't need it. Um, but yeah, so definitely prioritize just getting the best demo reel you can. Well, it's, it's important to remember, um, this is an important point to bring up because in school, oftentimes you're focusing on so many different things. You're focusing on yeah, your grades, you have extracurriculars, you have general education requirements, you know, you're taking like history classes, mm -hmm. you're also taking animation classes. Um, and it's important to remember, or you could be working on a film too. Mm -hmm. So like, remember in school that your the thing that really matters when you're applying to jobs is your reel or your portfolio if you're like a story person mm -hmm. or viz dev. That is the most important thing to remember. So that's not to say that you shouldn't, you know, complete your classes and mm -hmm. your classwork, but definitely prioritize and make your curriculum work for you as opposed to kind of working for your curriculum. I guess we, sh we should mention for those of you that are totally new to animation, a demo reel is typically a 60 to 90 second video of your work where you're trying to showcase your talent and the things that you've accomplished and trying to convince whatever recruiter or um, maybe animator on the project or the movie or at the studio that you are a worthwhile hire. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's different. Like animation reel is different, obviously, than like a story portfolio or a mm -hmm. viz dev portfolio, which is, you know, there's, you should look up kind of whatever you're interested in, what the normal standard for that, mm -hmm. that job is. Um, but definitely remember that, um, I know you you guys mentioned that you sort of had to pave your own curriculum a little bit, and maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Um, yeah, Ben, you had to, you know, file for an independent study while we were at SCAD. That would yeah. be good to talk about. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the reasons we wanted to bring up this point was that um, I know, like, for myself and, and for Katie, and I'm sure Garrett, too, um, there's kind of this belief when you're in school, because all through grade school and high school and everything, you just kind of do whatever curriculum is laid out there for you. And you trust that it's going to put you where you need to be. Mm -hmm. And that kind of stops in college and grad school, like not, <laughs> not <laughs> for completely animation, yeah. <laughs> for animation. Yeah, yeah obviously. And um, so and what I mean by that is, you know, a lot of times schools will give you still a very general curriculum. Um you know, if you want to be a character animator, you're still going to be doing classes in, you know, like we said, in, in history, math, everything for your gen ed stuff. Um, so a lot of the responsibility falls to you to kind of, you know, try to cater things to your needs and, and work with your schedule. So, for example, when 
uh, Katie and I were at SCAD. Um, we we had a good amount of electives where we could take like any number of different classes. We could have taken them in modeling or storyboarding or whatever. Mm-hmm. But since both of us really knew we kind of wanted to be animators of some sort, uh, we decided to put ourselves in specifically in character animation classes the whole time. And even though there weren't a ton of grad level character animation classes available, um, there were also there were some undergrad ones available. So we talked to our advisors and, and people and saw if we could get, uh, you know, signed up for those. So mm-hmm. and then on top of that, we we still went through that whole thing. And, and I felt like I still didn't wasn't super happy with my reel. So I think my final year at SCAD, I did an independent study where I just focused on doing one shot that I hoped would be really strong that would help get me, you know, noticed by recruiters and in the studios. So, so yeah, it was just a couple ways we really thought, okay, you know, even though the standard education might be a good education, it might not put us exactly where, where we want to be. Um, so yeah, if, if you have the ability, it's great to kind of take control and say, all right, I have identified the thing I really want to do. And now I'm going to, you know, try to put myself in the classes that will allow me to, you know, develop those skills and, and get me the job I want. Yeah, for me, I wanted to specialize in stop motion while I was in school. But when we first started, there wasn't even a stop motion teacher. I think they had just left and they were looking to fill the position. So I was sort of stuck and at a loss at what to do. But, you know, I thought about it and uh, figured out a way to pursue stop motion, which was to ask the CG character animation professor who we love, James Crosley. Shout out to James. James. And I reached out to him and I said, hey, could I do your CG character animation classes, but do all of my projects in stop motion? And he was totally open to it. So I did all the same exercises, like a dialogue, a walk cycle, pantomime. It was hard. I had to figure out how to make a puppet and yeah, you know juggle dang. that on top of trying to <laughs> do the exercises. But I was really dedicated. And I think, yeah, if you're paying for all the school, you might as well cater it to your needs and your ultimate goals. You don't yeah, have to sure. accept Great the status point. quo. And it paid off, right? Because then mm-hmm. Katie got an internship at Leica, which had you gone through the standard curriculum, would it never, never would have happened, right? Exactly. Because you would have had awesome. maybe one stop motion piece on your reel. Mm-hmm. And then like, yeah. So Yeah, so definitely get creative. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. And it's worth mentioning in this topic of the reel and, and while you're in school is like talking a little bit about short films, because mm-hmm. I know at NYU, for instance, um, making a short film is very encouraged. That's like kind of yeah. what the curriculum is based on, which is great when you're in school to have an opportunity. It's some of the only time in your life where you might have an opportunity to make something that's totally your own. Mm-hmm. So it's great to do that. However, you know, if you're spending a year or two on a short film where you're going to be doing everything from writing storyboards, modeling, animation, editing, sound, you know, all all these things you're doing in like a year or two, you could be focusing only on the discipline that you want to be doing and getting so much better in that. So for me, it would be obviously animation. And I think just kind of, now I'm not saying don't make a short film in school because it can be good, but just kind of be practical about what you're spending your time on. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like there are definitely certain disciplines where a short film would carry more weight. Like if you were a storyboarder, they definitely do care about your storytelling skills and Absolutely. probably do pay a lot of attention to whatever short film you produce. But for character animators, we can't we can't honestly say that it carries as much weight. So one other thing, kind of along with uh, demo reels, I wanted to talk about was not shying away from technical or difficult shots while you're in school. 
Um, I know speaking from my own experiences, I would definitely, when it came time to uh, animate a shot for, for an assignment, I'd be like, okay, I have three weeks to do this. I have this idea where a character grabs this thing and does this and that. I was like, oh no, but then I'll have to use it a constraint. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) okay, I'll do something totally different (laughs) now. But, um, you know, when you're in school, it's, it's the time to really tackle those things and, you know, learn as much as you can. And though I, there's definitely truth in not biting off more than you can chew. I also think it is so beneficial to really take that time to muscle through and become, Mm -hmm. uh, at least competent, if not an expert in those things, because it really will pay off so much um, in your later in your career, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I know I did my uh, little internship at Blue Sky, which was a fantastic experience. But then right after that, I interned in New York for a little bit. And the first thing I worked on was this commercial at Hornet. And it was like, characters jumping on to these trees and then one was holding an axe and like giving a present to another one. And it was just so, much. you know, so constraint heavy and nuts. And I remember I was working on a shot and I was like, good Lord, there are more constraints in this one shot than I probably dealt with over my entire career up to this point. Mm-hmm. So um, if you can definitely try to, you know, dive head first into that stuff and, and show on your reel that you can handle that sort of stuff and it'll, you know, make you so much more marketable to uh, recruiters. And then definitely, you know, once it gets past the recruiter and other animators are looking at your reel, they're really going to be impressed by that stuff because they know how difficult it is and it will reflect super well. Yeah. Yeah. And just being tech savvy really helps, especially in an industry where we're hopping from studio to studio. So often there's so many different softwares and tools. Like there's some studios have their own softwares. Some studios use Maya, some studios use XSI. So if you're able to sort of be tech savvy enough to sort of like learn new softwares, I think that really helps, which is sort of a similar point, but for sure, it's useful to know. So that brings us to point number three, which is to not only compare yourself to the other students in your school, you Mm -hmm. might be the top student in your class, you might be the valedictorian, but the reality of it is you're competing against other people all around the world for whatever position that you want at the, you know, the coveted studio. So we absolutely recommend, you know, checking out the demo reels of the online schools, the animation mentor, Anim school, the demo reels of the outgoing students for the top brick and mortar schools Mm -hmm. too, like Ringling or Cal Arts, SCAD, all the above. Um, Cause yeah, it's all online. Like it's so easy to access. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. um, You just search, animation demo reel 2019 or that kind of thing disney apprentice reel yeah Um, and i know like for the disney apprentice program which i'm in right now just to kind of put some statistics on it uh (laughs) sorry i slurred my words there statistics (laughs) it's the happy hour hour. Um, that's how you know it's real (laughs) So there were 1,100 applicants, I believe, for uh, the apprentice program when I applied. So you shouldn't just compare yourself to the 20 or so students in your class. Right. Um, 
That's the reality of it. Yeah. And we certainly don't say this to discourage people from going for the top spots. and right. stuff. It's just, you know, the reality is, yeah, if you just do the math there, out of all the major studios having internships at a, in a particular year, there's probably, what, like 10 spots, give or take, open. Mm-hmm. And there are thousands of students applying to it. So if you're just comparing yourself to the other 20 people in your class, you're kind of doing yourself a disservice because right. there's so much more competition out there and actually katie talking about um yeah you can be the valedictorian of your class and and you know still not getting the opportunities you want remember when becky tower came Mm -hmm. and gave a speech at scad she's this incredible animator who's at pixar now but that was literally her experience where she went all through scad undergrad and was a valedictorian out of Mm -hmm. thousands of students and then at the end of it and she was you know in character animation and then she applied to Disney and Pixar and didn't hear anything back. Or got a note. She was like, what? Like, how does That's this insane. make sense? Like, what What mm-hmm. else can I do other than be the best at my school, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, she ended up doing more schooling and, and practicing more and more. And then, obviously, it paid off. But, yeah, it's such a good point, though, that it's so easy just to be in your little bubble and be like, you know what? Mm-hmm. Uh, p- compared to the people immediately around me, I'm doing well. But you really have to expand your, yeah. your scope. And it's not hard, as we were saying, to find the demo reels of people that have succeeded at whatever you want to do, like even more specifically uh, outside of looking at the reels coming out of schools, you can look at the reels of people that just got the job that you want. So it's not, yeah, it's not hard to find apprentice uh, reel or Pixar intern reel or whatever it is. And then usually people leave up kind of. I love this when people leave up a history of their animation mm-hmm. reels. <laughs> you can see how people progress. Oh, yeah. So it's not hard <laughs> to trace back in time and, you know, what reel someone used to get into a studio. And then you can really get a good idea of, oh, maybe the studio was looking for a really heavy acting piece and not as much polish. Or maybe the studio was really favoring people that had prior industry experience and were super polished. Because they do kind of vary up what they're looking for yeah based on the project yeah Yeah. exactly maybe the project will be really action heavy and they want people that can handle action scenes and fighting or maybe it will be super sensitive and dramatic and they want people that are good at heavy acting oh my gosh i have a after effects file of all my animations I've ever done from school. But the reason I can't post, I would love to post that and be open to posting it. Um, One, it's very long because it's like all my animations, (laughs) but also it's NDA. Everything is NDA. So, but it's super interesting. I'm like, oh my gosh, you see so clearly how you've like learned through the years and like what your weaknesses were, what your, because I look back at some stuff and I'm like, okay, like horrible technique, but at least like the idea was there. Yeah, sure. And you can... But anyways, this is a pointless thing to say because I can't show it. But maybe one day I'll be brave enough to like, <laughs> who cares about the Well, legal? we will post our <laughs> like our earliest demo reels, I think, which yeah. we yeah. talked about That's right. in the first episode. Check but, it out in the show notes. And then show you notes. can, as I said, you can do some creeping stalking on our, <laughs> our profiles yeah. or our accounts and figure out, you know, what our, how our reels have evolved over time. There you go. Yeah. That's why we started this podcast <laughs> yeah, to encourage stalking. A, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. We don't have as many stalkers as we would like. Yeah. We, we like need some more. Could, yeah. But really, you can <laughs> learn a lot through stalking demo reels. <laughs> this, this whole topic reminds me of like when you go, when you're in high school and you know, for me, like, I was like one of the film kids in my high school. Mm. I was the one making film. There's some others, but like 
you know, I was like one of the top film kids. And then you go to like college, you go to NYU, you go to film school and you're like, oh, there are so many people who are like, were the best in their high school and they're like, yeah. they're better than me. And it's just like that element is even more after college where mm-hmm. you're like, oh, like now there's the whole world you're competing against. So yeah. I just think it's like, what is the big fish, small pond type thing? Like, <laughs> exactly. yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you got to remember that. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, I forget the guy's name, but there was some comedian that said it's kind of like being a muffin and discovering there are such thing as cupcakes. Wait, that's better. Like, that's yeah, better. It's, like, it's like, you know, as far as like handheld pastries go, you're like the best there is, but then you find a cupcake, you're like, what the hell? This <laughs> exists? And then it's, it's me so much better. better. Like, oh my gosh, on. yeah. And it's it totally feels like that. Though. Can we make to, that the title of this episode? Like, <laughs> you're a muffin, you're not a cupcake. Yeah. That's horrible. Making peace with the cupcakes, right? <laughs> yeah. I will admit, like coming out of a scad ben and i would see like the ringling student films and be like oh fuck like they're better at literally everything yeah. <laughs> we're specializing in one thing and they're yeah. better at texturing lighting animation <laughs> literally everything yeah i don't mean to disparage that no. at all because we it did help us get to where we want to go yeah. but yeah we're just it, getting paid by ringling right <laughs> <laughs> but yeah there you know it that goes back to our point of compare yourself to everyone outside of where you are look at the cupcakes (laughs) look at those cupcakes they're out there they are so number four the next thing we want to talk about is about the disconnect between work and quality meaning how much work you put into something Mm -hmm. versus how good it looks and so we put this right on the heels of talking about comparing yourselves to others because yeah regardless of whether you're animation modeling storyboarding everything i think the story is pretty much the same right (laughs) when you're first starting off you are probably putting more work into like uh, you've been through high school, you've done everything. Now you're finally focusing on what you really want to do. You're studying animation, modeling, rigging, whatever. So there might be instances where you're putting more work into your assignments than you have ever done before. Yeah, it must be good. <laughs> so it must be awesome, right? And <laughs> and the big studios are going to be knocking on your door any second. But unfortunately, no. You put hours and hours, your heart and soul into something, and it still is just nowhere near where you want it to be. And you get maybe a bad grade on it or something. Or yeah, it's hard yeah. to judge. That's a reality. I that mean, happens. sort of the. The lesson behind this, which I would tell any incoming student, is that it's realistic to expect animation or mastering any discipline within animation to take five to ten years to get to a level where you feel or you are hireable or where you feel professional and can be hired by someone at a studio. More or less, depending on your... It's obviously... It's hard to put a number on it, but yeah, it can take a long time to Mm -hmm. get to a place that's hireable like you said yeah and there certainly are the lucky ones right that that you know we hate those people we just kidding no we don't <laughs> the naturals <laughs> not you james baxter please be on the podcast <laughs> but, um, <laughs> or the people who've done it since they've like come out of the womb they've right. been yeah, drawing yeah. They had a pencil in their hand yeah. and yeah forever. it's like disney pixar dreamworks offers them an internship when they're a sophomore in school and whatever but <laughs> it's so easy to focus on those people because you know they're the people that everybody talks about but the reality is for the vast majority mm-hmm. i mean it's going to take a Some long time. time to get up to Years. snuff to yeah, yeah be a marketable 
animate a model or a wriggler. 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 That's like a rigger and ringling. <laughs> yeah. Wriggler. <laughs> Wriggly. Yeah. But uh, yeah. And everyone goes at their own speed. And mm-hmm. I think a mantra I always have to like, <laughs> you know, repeat to myself is that other people's success is not your failure. Yeah. Right. So if you're not getting mm-hmm. to like where that. you want to be as fast as you want to, uh, that's okay. You know, just keep working, keep only, you know, right on the heels of us talking about comparing yourselves to other people <laughs> at the other, at the end of the day, you have to compare yourself to where you were like a year ago right. or something mm-hmm. and, and use that to motivate you. And, you know, because it's tough. It is tough and, and cut your, definitely cut yourself a break. If you're someone who has to work a part-time job while you're going through school and you can't spend as much time on your assignments as someone who's getting a full ride from their parents or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, you absolutely like can only put in the time you can put in. And something I like to bring up to people that are pursuing any kind of new field is uh, I think Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours mm. rule, which is the, very applicable. Yeah, it's the idea that it takes 10,000 hours or roughly 10 years of a 40 hour a week job to master a skill. And I think it, it is absolutely relevant with animation. And the other lesson behind that rule is that you can get through those 10,000 hours faster um, if you have certain <laughs> advantages, mm-hmm. like you don't have to work a job or you just somehow need less sleep or whatever it is. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that it's a pretty good marker for how long it will take to get good. And I'm, I'm still working through those 10,000 hours now. <laughs> That's a, another yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, another point is like, you'll never, it, if it's a comfort, like, you never really master animation. I mean, even mm-hmm. if you were to ask like Glenn Keane, he'd probably say like, you know, I'm still be- like, I don't know how to animate this one type of thing or like, I'm still struggling with like, I don't know. You never, you were always learning. And we talked about that a little yeah. bit in our intro. For sure. Yeah. Um, for sure. Yeah. When we say master something after five to 10 years, that certainly doesn't mean you'll feel like a master. <laughs> it means you're <laughs> right. like somewhat competent. <laughs> you're, you're at a level <laughs> where you can get paid to do it. Definitely. You have a job. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's a good <laughs> Yeah. 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 Uh, number five <laughs> is, you know, school is the beginning of your career. Uh, there, There's a lot to this topic, but the basic thing is like, you know, don't assume that you need to graduate and then your career starts. And then that's when all the things are happening. You're actually like networking starts in the classroom with your classmates. You know, like when you, your first few jobs are likely going to be other students uh, in your class who are recommending you because, you know, their employers like, hey, do you guys have any new animators that are good? And they saw that you worked really hard in school and Mm -hmm. they recommend you or vice versa. You'll be working and you'll recommend your peers. So you just want to be, hardworking in the eyes of your colleagues. And it's just really important to just, yeah, get your assignments done on time, be, you know, take it seriously. And I mean, maybe this is an obvious point, but it's still worth bringing up, I feel. Be pleasant and easy to work with. You know, don't be difficult if you're working on someone's student film and they give you a note and, you know, don't refuse to do it or something (laughs) like that. Because you can't refuse to do a note when you're working on a feature film. That is very true. Yeah. (laughs) So it absolutely will, you know, apply as you move forward. Yeah. And I think, and it's not necessarily even just, oh, you have to make a good impression on others so they have a high opinion of you. Mm -hmm. But it really, I feel like definitely while we were in school, all of the habits we have of 
you know, right. trying to get to work on time is like trying to get to class on time. And, you know, jumping into our assignments right away is like, you know, jumping into your, your next shots at work right mm-hmm. away and, and trying to finish things early and on time is, you know, I mean, it's the exact same as yeah. in, in the workplace as it was in school. So, you know, networking is a huge part of it, but just even for your own selfish <laughs> gains of being a good, productive employee. Mm-hmm. And Establishing good habits. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess yeah. yeah, that's the best way. To, <laughs> that's the way to summarize everything I was just wearing. Like yeah. <laughs> but it's all applicable, though. Yeah. I, I mean, a habit that I think we both established, which has been very useful in the workforce, is to be realistic about deadlines and ask for extensions when you need them. I remember being in situations where I had three classes and somehow every major final assignment was due on the same day. And, you know, I would take the time to approach my professors and try to get one of them to budge a bit and say, hey, all of these classes are lining up. Is it possible? would it be possible for me to submit this a little later? And, uh, you know, I think that communication speaks very highly of someone and their ability to organize and communicate. And that absolutely will happen (laughs) in your professional career too. Like if you're an animator, you might get multiple shots assigned and it might behoove you to adjust the deadlines on those a little bit. Maybe one of the shots you expect to take longer than the other one and you want to sort of rebid the days for those shots or that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think at the very least, it shows that you're really cognizant and care about this stuff. Right? Yeah. Because like mm-hmm. you might, you might be really stressed about stuff and then you miss a deadline. But if you never talk to your teacher about it, there's, they might think, oh, that person just, you know, doesn't give an F about this right. and didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Whereas, honestly, there was one or two times at SCAD where I, I actually went to James Crosley and I was like, hey. I am super loaded up on other stuff right now. Mm-hmm. This is about as far as I'm going to take this shot right now, just because I have to focus on other shot shot or other stuff I have going on, <laughs> other shots, <laughs> other stuff I have going on, other assignments. Um, so I'm really sorry on the next one. I'll try to hit it out of the park, but you know, this is where I am. And I feel like it just kind of, when you're professional like that, mm-hmm. it, it just reflects so well and it sets you up. Yeah. Like we've said multiple times already for the workplace, because you know, regardless of what discipline you're in, storyboarding or, or modeling or whatever, you will, part of your day-to-day is a daily interaction with higher-ups who are mm-hmm. kind of setting deadlines for you. And you have to be able to very calmly and professionally and kindly say like, hey, this deadline, I really don't think it's realistic. You know, maybe we can, you know, I can try to do some overtime or I could try to do this or this, but this is the way I'm feeling about it just throwing it out there. I'm not trying to be defensive or anything. It's just what's going on. And, and I think, yeah, it definitely starts in school. It's mm-hmm. not something you have to wait until you're, you know, we see them often as such separate things. You're in school and now yeah. it's for real. You're at work, but mm-hmm. no, it's really, it's all kind of blends together. <laughs> it's all for real. Yeah. 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 I think a really good habit to establish while you're in school is to try to show your professors, your work more often than you actually have class because mm-hmm. the reality of it when you're in the workplace is that you might show your work on a daily basis. Mm. So it's good to get used to that while you can in school and in a safe learning environment. Because I I mean, for me, and I think for all of us, those were when you got the really like juicy good notes where you really like pushed your work to the next Mm -hmm. level. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. We wanted to talk about that is trying to, to, if you have a deadline or, you know, your assignment is due in three weeks, get to what you consider done in like two weeks. Because that's when you're, you know, that's, 
because up till then you're doing everything that you know you have to do Mm -hmm. right you're like you're you know i'll just talk about in animation terms but you know you've blocked your scene you spline it you do what you consider the polish phase so then you're like okay i don't know what else to do so that last week that you have free for yourself now if possible that's when you really go to your professor and pump up and be like hey how can i take this to the next level and that's when you really really learn that's all the the (laughs) juicy stuff realistically i feel like in school was more the time where you totally ran out of or it was more that you ran out of time for assignments, I think. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. if you can be early, that is great. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. I mean, definitely. But it's, yeah, to, I think, approach it with that mentality. Of, oh, right. Yeah. You know, if it's due on August 15th, don't be what Wait you consider done August 14th. Yeah. yeah do whatever exactly. you can. Obviously, things happen. You're, you're going to be late here and there, probably. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, do your best because it translates directly to. Uh, the work world like again absolutely specifically in character animation terms um, if my shot is due three weeks from now i'm definitely going to be showing it in a week and then two weeks hopefully and Mm -hmm. because you're going to yeah exactly (laughs) you're definitely going to get notes and from your supervisors and then the head of animation and the director and basically, if you just keep it all to yourself and then say, okay, here's the finished shot <laughs> the day of and haven't shown anyone, you're going to be late then because you're going to get notes. And yeah. speaking of that, just get over that fear of showing others now while you're in school because mm-hmm. you're going to be doing that for the rest of your career. Yeah. And it's it's really worth painting a picture of what dailies is. Mm-hmm. Um, we can all speak to it, but it's basically a, a dark room. Where you're showing your shot in front of all of the heads, all of the supervisors, you know, animators, you know, heads of different departments, the directors, the producers, everyone. They're watching your shot on loop um, in a a quiet room (laughs) and you're just sitting there up front. And if it's not like a really funny shot where people are laughing, it's just (laughs) they're sitting in a in a quiet silence as they give you notes. So it's. The point is, we're all. It's it's still nerve wracking to go through dailies, um, but the earlier you can get over that fear of showing others, the better for you. Yeah, you'll yeah. kind of develop tools to figure out how to decompress after that kind of showing and Just how to brush it off if it doesn't go well. <laughs> yeah, you can hyperventilate. Yeah, and <laughs> or you can meditate or whatever it is. But yeah, the more you go through that experience, I think the easier it is to kind of draw upon previous experiences of like, oh, I remember that time felt awful, but ultimately it ended up being okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Drink heavily. Of, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's all. If you're, while you're in school, now's the time to start developing your drinking habits. But I, <laughs> no. That's fine. But um, yeah, and kind of developing that thick skin, right? Because right. no matter mm-hmm. what, I think – you know, granted, we haven't been in the industry for super long, but from school to now, we've been doing it for a little while now for multiple years. Mm-hmm. And receiving notes doesn't ever get super easy, right? Like, <laughs> it, it's, it's always like that. a little yeah. grating on your yeah. on your nerves and on your feelings. A part of you's like personally affected for like yeah. a hot second. And yeah. Like, yeah. Okay, no, it's fine. yeah. <laughs> so you just need to say, I'm going to feel this way and that's okay. I'm not going <laughs> to show it. I'm just going to take the feedback and right. be like, all right, cool. I can do that. And and then maybe if you really need to, you can talk to your supervisor about it later. If you like, you know, there's something you didn't understand or you really mm-hmm. disagree with. And but when you're in dailies, I, I think I just remember from my experience being in school, a lot of times it would get a little combative right 
during the <laughs> the oh, critiquing, yeah. you know, with the yeah. teacher, with other students, or both. Okay, kind of both, kind of actually. Both. Yeah, yeah, and um, drama. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> so people be like, "Oh, I just haven't got to that yet." You know, like don't give me notes on that or whatever. Oh, but, you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah. But then when you're sitting there in dailies, I mean, you can't say that to the director. Yeah, yeah. Right. I just haven't gotten to that yet. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, "Well, I don't know what you yeah. what you're doing." Like, right. to, I don't have time to worry about your feelings in that regard, you know? So like, <laughs> this is the note I have, just take it. So you know, you have to kind of disassociate yourself and not take it personally and just right. say it's a natural part of the process. And Learn this stuff in school yeah. now as opposed to later Yeah, when you're mm-hmm. being paid and it's more important. That's right. yeah. <laughs> just know that pain you're feeling is will always be there, so just make peace with it. <laughs> that's, that's a good end yeah. to the topic. It'll get easier. We promise. Yeah. 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 It'll slightly. slightly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we all have therapists that are great. <laughs> yeah. So number six is actually a great continuation of number five because it is all about the beginning of your career. So number six is how to succeed with on-campus recruiting. And I know when we were at SCAD, there were all sorts of on-campus visits from the top companies. And I have to admit, when we started, I was really at a loss for what to expect or how to handle that. Um, So right off the bat, some things that I would express are... When you go into an on-campus interview, do not expect the recruiter to have any familiarity with who you are or what your work is, what your what's on your demo reel. Um, you know, they're visiting, they've been traveling, they've probably just reviewed hundreds of candidates, and you just can't expect them to know everything anything. or yeah. anything about yeah. you. So be prepared to give a brief intro on who you are, what you study, what position you'd be interested in at their company, and definitely have some kind of iPad or physical portfolio or, or laptop handy to be able to show your demo reel on the spot to that recruiter. Um, because, yeah, you got to be prepared to pitch yourself right in that moment. And kind of on the same vein, I remember feeling like those interviews were make it or break it interviews for a job. But I think more so those interviews were really more the recruiters kind of getting a feel for who the talent was on campus. And maybe they were kind of keeping a tally on people and later on would reach out to the candidates that they were more or they were most impressed by. So I would say treat the interview as an opportunity to pitch yourself and develop a relationship with the recruiter as opposed to trying to get a job right then and there. Yeah, that's so funny, too, that kind of the discrepancy between um, expectations versus the reality of that. (laughs) I remember like the first interview I had with like one of the top studios and I was like, this is it. Like the, the planets are aligning. I'm fulfilling my destiny. They wanted to talk to me and I walked in. They're like, all right, what's your name? Who are you? But <laughs> <laughs> then, yeah, I just show my reel and they're like, okay, yeah, work on like entertainment and mechanics. Yeah. See, ya. Yeah, see you next year. You know, <laughs> it's like, wait, what? What just happened? Yeah. But I think so much of that is just, you know, making the best impression you can. And yeah, like Kitty mm-hmm. said, don't put pressure on yourself to have that result in a job offer because I haven't heard of any where it's like, yeah, so great. We're going to offer it to you right now. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and there's something to be said, even if your work is not like at a great spot yet or a spot where they would consider, you know, you competitive, 
just if they can see you're a nice person, you're normal, mm-hmm. you're easy to get along with, and then maybe a year or a couple years later, your work is much better. That, gosh, that'll re- reflect so well on you that like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's a great person and now their work is awesome too. So, yeah. I will brag about Ben. I remember that oh, you were pretty disappointed the first time you applied to Blue Sky and yeah. they didn't accept you. I was. And then the, the second year you applied, Deb Stone did say at the, at the second recruiting event we went to, oh, I'm so proud of you. Like you really yeah, yeah. did a good job this last yeah. year. And then you That's got awesome. the internship. Yeah, so. yeah. So that was great. <laughs> and yes, but it, yeah. Yay, and I, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. but, but yeah. And Deb yeah. Stone's the recruiter at Blue Sky. Yeah. I should specify that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Married to Jeff Gabor, amazing animator. Yeah. Blue Sky. Power couple. <laughs> so we've spoken a lot about kind of our SCAD experience, but, you know, I know for my undergrad, I went to a school where they didn't really have a lot of on-campus recruiting and Garrett. I know you've said before at NYU, it was kind of like that. So could you speak a little bit about that experience? Yeah, they had some people come in at NYU, but I would say that the relationships with studios wasn't as strong as it sounds like it was at SCAD or Ringling. And so one thing I would say is like, if you don't have a huge on-campus recruitment thing at your school, if you're going to a really small st- you know, state school or some, uh, not a big, like a CalArts or a SCAD or something, don't necessarily be discouraged because... Again, most of this stuff happens online, like with you can just apply to any place and it's your work that speaks for Mm -hmm. itself. It doesn't it helps for sure to have a relationship with um, a recruiter, but don't it really like a lot of people end up in these jobs who have not gone to these schools. So don't be discouraged because I can imagine like if they're hearing if people are hearing like, oh, man, like I don't have that like relationship with like Blue Sky and and Disney Mm -hmm. and it don't it really it helps, but it's not a huge consideration yeah. don't absolutely yeah for um, sure because NYU certainly we had relationships with blue sky i think because we're so close but and like hornet i think hornet came in a lot because oh, it was okay. in the city yeah um maybe psyop i don't remember but uh not like there i don't remember if there was a relationship with disney yeah but yeah but um yeah but yeah it'll certainly only go so far right mm-hmm. for right. people who are having those people come in i mean like we just said we spent however many minutes talking about how <laughs> really a lot of times it's like nothing when you interview with right. them it's just yeah. like oh hey how you doing what's your name okay see <laughs> work on mechanics <laughs> yeah yeah entertainment goodbye <laughs> uh, so yeah certainly if if you don't have that it's you're not out of the game absolutely right. I would be willing to hazard a guess that like half of the people in our industry had some sort of online school oh, yeah. education or experience, <laughs> if not more. And yeah. that's a topic that we are absolutely going to explore in the future is online schools versus brick and mortar. On the topic of on-campus recruiting, I definitely also want to mention that your career advisor at whatever school you are, if on-campus recruiting is a big thing, is a very important ally to have. And the way for us or for Ben and me to get a good rapport with that career advisor off the bat was to just frankly do well in our classes. Because totally. I know the career advisor would reach out to the professors and say, hey, who are your top students? Who's doing well? Like Pixar has 20 interview spots and who do you recommend? And that absolutely was a very linear decision process to figure out who was going to interview. So that's one reason to have those good school habits we mentioned earlier is it will directly kind of pay into if you might get an interview or not. Yeah. 
And your for teachers sure. might even recommend. I mean, I had teachers who recommended me for internships and even jobs. So mm-hmm. starting those, yeah, that, getting those habits in early, having good relationships with teachers, and it's, it's always a good thing. Definitely. Yeah, it all should... goes with that. Oh, sorry. We should mention that there are job listings that require referrals. And when oh, you're a student, oh, yeah. The best referral you can get is your professor, especially if there's someone that actually worked in the industry. Definitely. Yeah. What were you going to say, Ben, before I interrupted? Uh, nothing important. No, <laughs> was, I don't believe it. Was just, <laughs> it was, no, it was, it was just that this is the, you know, same as what we said before, that really when you're in school, it's the start of your career, you know, right. because they, they'll bleed together. And yeah, like you said, you'll get referrals for jobs later. And yeah, it's all interconnected. Not important. Inter- <laughs> interconnected, like the Creative Talent Network, yes. which is interconnected with the Network. industry and networking. Man, that's good. Which is my segue into number seven. That's number seven. <laughs> like your number seven, <laughs> which is go to CTN if you can. And really, uh, CTN is the Creative Talent Network, which is a... Expose exposition. How do you what? Is, what's the noun <laughs> for what? It, it's a convention. I don't expo or expo. Yeah. expo. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. And it's it's, it's convention. What is expo oh. short for? <laughs> I think exposition. I don't know why it sounded weird when I said it, but yeah. I, it is yeah. expo. Whatever. It's that. It's an event. <laughs> <laughs> it's an animation event that takes place yearly in Burbank, and uh, usually it's November. I think it might be always in November. Yeah. But you go. You can get your reel looked at by all the major studios. Are there? You can connect with other artists you can buy artwork it's really cool the downside is if you're not in la you have to obviously fly over and Mm -hmm. pay for tickets so it can be quite expensive but i know personally i had a great time there and i really got a sense of what the industry looked like i really was convinced i think i talked to mike amos who i later work with at dreamworks Uh, he's an animator and he was working at one of the i think he was working at the anim school booths and i Mm -hmm. came up to him and he was like you got to take these online schools. They're great. They're, they're really valuable. You learn a lot. I think before that, before going to CTN, I kind of thought that online animation schools were a little weird. I was mm-hmm. like, are they trustworthy? Like, what is this thing? And they just, it really convinced me to see him, see everyone there. So I would, for me personally, I think I wish I would have gone in school. Um, if you can afford it, I understand it's expensive, but, uh, did you guys have good experiences at CTN when you went, or was it in school? So Kim um, went in school, right? Yeah, I yeah. went, and it, it was a great way to just kind of become face-to-face with people that right. you respect and admire, and like you said, yeah, it really does inspire you to push for those goals. And, Absolutely. Um, and uh, there are also wonderful panels and, yeah, I didn't and mention that. sort of previews for upcoming films and the development of those films, and it's just... Yeah, such a great weed. So fun. Stay inspired, have fun. Um, And I think that I definitely carried that inspiration with me through those (laughs) good, tough, dark uh, working hours back when I went back to school because you knew like there was something you were working for and people were nice and encouraging and helpful. And it was reassuring just that you were working so hard to get there and it was worth it kind of. Yeah. And Lightbox is another one, too, that's starting yeah. up this year. So that's another thing to consider. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. yeah, just getting yourself around industry professionals and, and people as much as you possibly can, uh, especially, you know, if you're on or if you're in some area where there aren't many companies and stuff. Right. It's so valuable. 
And I love one of the things we had written down here in the notes that Garrett or Kitty wrote down. They said that it just feels more attainable when you yeah. meet these people. And that rings so true for me. Right. I just know like growing up in Ohio, when I would hear about like Burbank in Glendale, California and Emeryville, you know, yeah. it sounds so I was like, crazy. I was like, wow, it's like yeah. this mystical <laughs> land where they create these magical movies and <laughs> And, you know, and the artists had these, like, godlike statuses. And then and then you go and you're like, oh, wow, you're, like, normal, really you're nice like people. like grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you wear, like, I am assuming that's Glenn Keane you're uh, talking you know, about. White New Balances and a tucked-in shirt <laughs> yeah. or whatever it is. But, yeah. And then it, Absolutely. It, it sounds silly, but it's so, yeah, for me, it was huge when, mm-hmm. whenever I would meet someone in the industry. And I was like, wow, you're just. You're a normal uh, person. Yeah, a really hardworking, normal person. And it feels like like you can do it now (laughs) and it's it's worth noting too i wouldn't a lot of people think that going to ctn is synonymous with them getting connected with recruiters and getting a job i would say you're most likely not going to get a job straight out of ctn um there are people who can who certainly you can but when you're in school i would i would treat it more as a way to just kind of celebrate animation and get to know other studios connect with recruiters certainly but i wouldn't if, if, in other words, if you don't get a job out of CTN, don't think that that's necessarily like a, a loss or like right. a failure. Yeah. I don't there's, think... there's so much pressure then, right? Yeah, if you're so going much, into yeah. it with that mentality, because like every person you talk to or every recru- recruiter is like, hey, let's have a meaningful, memorable like, right. interaction. Oh, ha aren't I funny? And like, <laughs> remember love me. me. <laughs> yeah, please love me in three minutes. I think this actually ties beautifully back into the point that Garrett made about when he was at NYU, which is maybe you don't necessarily have recruiting coming to your school, but CTN is actually a place where literally all of those recruiters would be. So you can start kind of planting the seeds of that relationship with those recruiters. Yeah. 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 And you can get your reel looked at for free. Well, it's not for free because you pay for CTN. <laughs> but you can get your reel looked at from multiple studios like Blizzard's there, Disney's there, DreamWorks, mm-hmm. Blue Sky. I mean, every major feature film studio, I believe, is there. Um, game studios, like it's if you optimize your time, you can get a lot of value out of that. Mm-hmm. those ticket prices. I will say that CTN is sort of an evolving event where some, I think the tickets kind of change every year in the different perks. So yeah. I don't know that our individual experiences apply moving forward, but um, I do know that SCAD would definitely put out a call for volunteers to go to CTN. And I think a lot of people took advantage of that. That's really smart. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Garrett. I keep touching your feet. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> we should leave that in. Oh, it's <laughs> Feet on feet action. <laughs> Guys, these transitions are getting harder and harder. <laughs> they really <laughs> are. We drink more sangria. <laughs> very true. Well, you know, with this next point, it it almost feels like we're going back a tiny bit because we're going to talk about kind of assessing what you're doing while you're in school. Um, and, and basically, so number eight that we want to talk about is how will the career you're pursuing support the life you want? And I think when we go into school, uh, you know, largely rightly so, we are mainly thinking of, okay, what am I going to be doing from nine to five or nine to seven or whatever your work hours are? Mm-hmm. Um, and what's a job that's going to make me feel the most fulfilled or happiest when I'm actually doing the job. 
But what's not talked about a lot, which is equally, if not more important, is the rest of your life yeah. <laughs> outside of your job. Yeah. And, and, you know, obviously a lot of that, a lot of the rest of your life is dictated by your job. So I'm going to open it up for us to talk about that. And this is going to touch on, you know, basically just when you're considering what it will mean to be a feature film character animator versus a commercial uh, modeler mm-hmm. versus a, a storyboarder for video games. There are different lifestyles that come along with each of those, you know, or mm-hmm. if you're a stop motion feature film animator, the reality is you're going to have to move to a new country probably right. every couple of years to work on whatever next film is coming out or something. Just if you crunch the numbers on how many films are being worked on at any given point in time. Um, so yeah, I wanted to open it's, it up yeah. to, yeah, that's a super important thing to consider. You're like, it's, this isn't, you know, when you go into animation, you're not like, like you're not a doctor where you can pretty much get work all over the country, right? Yeah. You have, if you're in an animation, likely there's hubs that the jobs are all kind of there. So, you know, are you okay with travel and moving often? Like, are you okay w- with being far away from your family? And, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, animation right now for feature film is largely happening in Canada. I mean, there's, there's obviously exceptions. There's Disney DreamWorks, there's Blue Sky, but you just kind of do some research to know where your career will take you mm-hmm. while you're in school so you know what to expect. Yeah, for me personally, I when I was in school, as you guys know, I was pursuing stop motion. And I kind of heard stories just kind of through talking to alumni or people that were in the industry about stop motion being a pretty nomadic industry where you have to move around. And I just... I mean, it's hard because I was a student and I don't know if students can really understand this and so they go through it, but I just didn't really weigh that advice very heavily. I just thought, oh, I'll do whatever it takes to do this art. But then when I realized that, you know, the person I love, my now husband is a CG animator and there's only a certain number of places you can do stop motion, that that would mean a life of possibly doing long distance or moving a lot and definitely living far away from our families. And uh, those sorts of priorities started to shift a little bit. And that's when I started more heavily considering pursuing CG. And I think that sort of realization or sort of confrontation of reality and assessing priorities can relate to a lot of different professions like especially if you're someone that's pursuing something very niche maybe you want to be a maquette sculptor Hmm. which is like as niche as it gets I think (laughs) like I feel like there are like maybe three maquette sculptors, four that are like actively working in the industry. (laughs) Um, And it's just sort of a, we're just sort of, I guess, giving the advice to really heavily consider how comfortable are you with the lifestyle, that lifestyle of possibly not always consistently having work. Maybe you don't, if you're a freelancer who gets hired project to project, you won't always have health insurance or you'll have to move every few months or every year. And you absolutely like, definitely it's worthwhile to consider those possibilities. Yeah. And like speaking of the example you just had right there, I mean, you could, there are a lot of people we know who have really happy lives as freelancers in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Just kind of piecing together you know, one gig at a time. 
Um, but the reality is, yeah, you have to have your own health insurance then. So it might be good to research, okay, what does California health insurance cost for the average person? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, if I'm, yeah, moving across the country or to another country for a stop motion film, uh, what does that mean tax wise or this Mm -hmm. or that? I mean, it's all just, you know, really practical stuff that we don't say this to overwhelm people, you know, but it's, it's certainly something to just kind of have in mind while you're Mm -hmm. figuring out, obviously you want to be focusing on what you're most passionate about and what you want to do, but it certainly pays to have this in the back of your mind because yeah, I think a lot of people get out of school and then it can be a really rude awakening when they're like, Oh shoot, I really have to now make some big moves if I'm Mm -hmm. living in, I don't know, Missouri and I want Mm -hmm. to be a freelance modeler realistically this is not going to work out or like i have to Mm -hmm. figure out how to work remotely or move somewhere or something and you know i wish i had i wish i knew that um feature film animation was largely being outsourced before i came to la because this this is this tip would have helped me in school if i had done the research of where is animation production actually happening Mm -hmm. and i think at the time when i was graduating i think i talk about this a little bit in, in the intro but it was sort of moving from California to Vancouver and Montreal. Um, so doing the little bit of research of like, where are the companies that you'd like to work with? Where are they actually producing mm-hmm. the animation? Um, and it changes all the time. You know, while when we release this episode, it might even be different than what we're speaking now because right, right. subsidies and that's a whole thing. Um, but it's definitely worthwhile to research kind of, yeah, how will the career support the lifestyle that you want? Yeah, and we get that this advice is probably like the hardest to stomach of all of the previous pieces of advice because there's nothing worse than hearing like, oh, what you want to do is not like a stable industry or it's not viable or you might not have consistent work. It's really Mm -hmm. hard to hear, but know that, whoever is saying that is saying it out of your best interest and they're trying to pass on advice that will help you as opposed to, you know, hurt you or stop you. I, like it's not exactly coming from the same place that was like, yo, you're not good enough mm-hmm. to do that. It's not that advice. It's just, Hey, like these are kind of the realities of the industry and it's something you need to weigh as if it's important to you. Like if you're a stop motion animator, maybe it's exciting to you when you're young to have, to be able to travel all the time for work and right. be moving to all these different places. Like if you don't have, you know, someone you're tied to, like maybe you would want to move all over someone like Ben or no. <laughs> the moral of this episode is no, I destroyed no, no, no. Katie's no, dreams. No, no, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, but she also- chose CG. I didn't push her to CG. <laughs> But also, like, if you if you find that yeah, your what you love to do is not viable for whatever reason for you, you can still do it and just right. not work in it professionally. Like, mm-hmm. I, I have plenty of friends I know who do are in production, for instance, but mm-hmm. they love making art on the side. Yeah, and it's almost in some ways it's a freer form of art because they they're not trying to appease any studio. They're like doing their own thing, and it kind of it makes. It, it makes a lot of sense to me that they would yeah. want to do that. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it's, it's their, what they exactly what they want to do. They have fun doing it. Then they have their job to make money. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's a great point. And because I think growing up, I, there was always this unfair, like negative feeling where like, 
oh, you're just doing this job to, to make a good living. And, be, <laughs> and then wow. you're just doing your hobbies on the side. But it's like that there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. No, and, no. you know, being like professional animators now, like I'm sure we're all the same where we come home from work. We're like, oh, my God. I am not being creative now. I am not drawing anything. I'm not doing anything. So, you know, there's certainly a lot of value to, you know, maybe if you're into the art world, it it is best as more of a a side thing. You do something else. But obviously, we're not saying everyone should do that because we're very happy doing what we're doing, too. But uh, it's something to consider, though. Yeah, Yeah. it's, Mm -hmm. you know. Number nine is a totally different topic, which I am very passionate about, and I'm looking forward to doing a complete episode about. But generally, um, something I wish I had known a lot more about when I was in school is personal finance. When you're young, (laughs) yeah, boom, boom, boom. (laughs) Very scary. She's money bags, Katie. (laughs) (laughs) Very dry topic. Um, But... Uh, the reason I want to bring this up is when you're going to school and you're 18, this is kind of maybe the first time where you really have to deal with money. This might and probably will be the first time you're opening up a credit card or a bank account in your own name. And you have never had to deal with paying the bills or anything like that. So some really quick advice off the top of my head that I would love to give any new student is if you are taking out your first credit card, do some shopping around. You know, I think at student fairs, when you first get to school, credit card companies are there trying to sell you on their credit cards. But maybe that credit card's not the best one for you, and you might do better with a travel credit card if you just moved across the country for school or something like that. So do your research on that account, and you can absolutely ask your parents' help because credit cards have different perks. Some are or some really reward going out to eat, some super reward uh gas usage or travel anything so definitely you can make your credit card work for you and it's worth that extra research and pay off that uh credit card every month yeah not just the minimums that is a really big thing there's something called a credit limit which is basically i think it's the amount of money you can spend like is it a month? I think it's in a month. In yeah. a month. And it might be like $5,000 or something. But we do not recommend spending the full <laughs> amount. Spend what you can pay off. And you'll get this bill, which is very exciting. And it says the minimum due is $25 <laughs> or something yeah. like that. And you're like, hey, I can pay that off. But the balance is maybe hundreds, if not thousands. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason you don't want to pay just the minimum is credit cards have something called interest, which is whatever amount you owe, um, the interest will make it grow and that's the amount that you will owe the bank. So if your interest is like 15%, you would (laughs) multiply the amount owned by like 1.15 and that's actually what you ought to pay the bank. So you do not... You don't want that. You don't want that (laughs) to accrue. Because any any of the (laughs) benefits that you 
are using for the credit card for. Say you're using it for travel. Mm-hmm. If you're not paying those minimums, if you're just paying the minimums, basically all of those benefits are negated right. because you're paying the interest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's pointless. <laughs> and then uh, there's something Sorry. called... Um, <laughs> We just touch our feet. Sorry. Every now and then, <laughs> we're seated at a table. I just saw them both start giggling and like we're playing footsie together. They look very bashful. There's a reason we always sit a certain way at the podcast table. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Well, there's a term which you guys should look up called compound interest, which is basically that if you've already like the amount you owe has already gained interest. Then the next month, the interest will be on the amount you originally owed plus the interest. So it just keeps growing and growing. um, And you do not want that to happen. So absolutely try to pay off your full balance every month. Stay on top of it. (laughs) Yeah. And that goes with your student loans too. Yeah. I I know. Or Ben, do you want to talk about this a bit? Because you definitely have the most experience with student loans, I think. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) AKA Ben's in the most debt. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, well, because I was very privileged and lucky that my parents paid for school. No, no, you're good. So yeah, so I took out um, a lot of student loans for my graduate degree at SCAD. And again, all this finance stuff, we're going to talk about much more in the future. But just to hit on it briefly, generally, when you're looking into loans, one of the things you should look at is is with the interest rate, whether it's fixed or variable, because variable means it can go up and you could end up owing much more than you might think you originally do. Mm -hmm. Um, In federal versus private loans, a federal student loan is usually the safer, more stable bet. Again, we'll talk more about this, but usually the interest rates are locked and they won't sell your debt to like a a third-party company to collect or something. And private loans can be a little dicier and you really have to read the fine print. So again, all that stuff we'll talk about in the future. Um, But yeah, those are just a couple quick tips on it. It's awesome, guys. There's so much to, to, it can be overwhelming with personal finance, but you sort of piece it together bit by bit as you grow up. But if you can take some time now, it's all the better. I will say a really great book to read if you're a young person is Broke Millennial by Erin Lowry. She goes over all of this stuff in detail, but in a really accessible way. It's totally targeted towards young people. So show notes. Best, yeah, show notes. Best like 15 or whatever bucks I ever spent. So take the time to learn about it and you'll feel empowered to make money and not make silly financial mistakes, which I definitely made when I was younger. <laughs> Absolutely. And Katie bought that book with her credit card and then paid off the whole balance. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> so we are now at, ready for it, number, number 10. Number 10. This is very important. Should we have gone in reverse order? <laughs> You mean from like, like 10 to... From 10 to 1? Isn't that how people <laughs> usually do it? Oh, Our yeah. top one. Oh, oh well. Anyways. No, but this is important. Yeah, number 10 this is, is very important. 10 or 1. Could be number 1. <laughs> Depending on what you consider most Depending important. Depending on your perspective. Yes. <laughs> this is a good... It's a good 10. That's a whole hearty number. <laughs> so for this one, we say 
Take it easy. Chill out. Chill out. Don't worry. We know we have spent numbers one through nine (laughs) talking about money and comparing yourself to others and all these things that that make you stressed. And you're like, why am I even listening to this podcast? I feel worse than I did before I did. I'm bored. I'm bored. (laughs) (laughs) One of their voices is weird, but we won't say which one. So we can all feel self-conscious about it. Oh, no. So, with this one, oh, that was a lot right there. So, we wanted to acknowledge that there is so much pressure in school, and you're trying to figure out exactly what you want to do, trying to figure out how you're going to get to where you want to be, trying to figure out where you want to be and why you want to be there, all this stuff. But just know that we just want to take a moment to say there is so much pressure during those four years or three years or however long you are in, in, you know, undergrad or grad school to kind of get everything figured out, right? And like it, we know, like we we talked about earlier in this episode, we always, we always hear about the people who, you know, they were like a sophomore or a junior and then they got the call from their dream company to give them an internship and then they were hired with like six months <laughs> left in their senior Ugh. year, yeah, right? <laughs> and everything worked out perfectly. And, you know, but the reality is that generally does not happen for people. And um, yeah. We want to very briefly say that, you know, learning does not end when you're out of school. You know, quite the opposite, in fact. You usually end up learning way more when you're out of school. And, you know, to to touch on that, to give a very real-world example of, you know, saying that if you graduate from school and you don't have the dream internship or dream job, that's not the end of the world. And I specifically want to talk about my buddy who's now at Pixar, my friend Tarun Lakshminarayanan. I think that's how you say his name. Tarun, I'm sorry, we Tarun. tried. We yeah, love you. We love you, guy. But um, <laughs> so Tarun Lak, as, as he's known online, it's L-A-K is his last name. But he is this awesome animator who went to Ringling and I think he graduated like in 2016 and he was one of those guys who hope he's okay with me talking about this but (laughs) ultimately it's a success story for him so yeah it's great he was really awful when we started (laughs) oh god he was yeah (laughs) just kidding (laughs) but um yeah he was this amazing animator and uh, but all through school, he was kind of one of those guys where we actually met. He got an internship at Leica when we were there. And he was working kind of in the VFX area doing like some crowd crowd animation for them. And then like, his senior year, he was definitely one of the top students. But for whatever reason, he he was missing out on like he would get to like the final round of the Blue Sky uh, internship oh, reviews man. and the final round of the Pixar reel review. Mm-hmm. But nothing quite landed for whatever reason. And I'm sure, I mean, he's a very positive guy, but I'm sure he was so down on himself during that time. And it was really difficult to keep going and stay passionate, but he had awesome work. The cards just weren't really falling, you know, his way. And then long story short, he, he worked in commercials for a while and we worked at PSYOP together for a bit. And then he accepted a job offer at Sony to work on Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse did incredible work. He has the, the insane shot of when Miles is walking down the street and like passes the basketball to his butt. I remember. I know exactly what shot you're talking about. Yeah. He talks to like 10 people on his way. Did he do all the characters or was it a, he did all of the, he did Miles and all of the main characters he interacted with for sure. Yeah. And I think, I'm sure he did some of the crowd characters too. I think he got a little help with some of the background. We should have him on. 
Yeah, you definitely. Definitely. Skype him. So he did that amazing stuff, amazing stuff. And then after that was messaged on Instagram from a Pixar recruiter. Wow. And said like, hey, you want to come here? And, you know, we have an opportunity for you. And he had known this Pixar recruiter because he'd interviewed with them while he was at school. And uh, even though ultimately he didn't get the internship, the he made a good impression. And they were like, okay, yeah. he's a cool guy. He's, you know, the, he's nice to be around. So, you know, and um, so, yeah, he was messaged. Didn't even have to interview because they already knew him. Just offered him a job as a full-fledged animator. And wow. he's currently there animating on Onward. Um, wow. Pixar's next upcoming Yay. movie. So yeah. he, right there. I mean, and he totally could have been like, oh my gosh, you know, I've been working my butt off. I didn't get any internships I really wanted right out of school. He didn't, you know, have his dream offer from a company. But you, and still in such a relatively short time, the guy's probably like, I think he's like 24 now. Right, <laughs> right. Like full-fledged animator Pixar doing super well. And uh, so it's just to say, School is so important. And and when you come out of school, you know, obviously do your best to be getting those internships or job offers. But if it doesn't happen, it's not the end of the world. Right. School is once you're out of school, that is not where your learning ends, you know, and there's yeah. a lot can happen. I hear that story and I I'm just I'm jealous because I remember <laughs> I never got any sort of like attention from big studios. And I'm sure some people hearing are like, oh, man, he got intern. He got like. Uh, he was interviewing at Pixar and all this stuff. So even if you're not getting that, um, that attention, like don't beat yourself up too hard. Like we've all been there and I've definitely, it's so easy to get negative if you're not where Mm -hmm. you're at and where you want to be. Yeah. Take it easy. Take it easy on yourself. And I, I'll say really quickly, like, you know, we talked a lot about, you know, focusing and, you know, focus on your animation and your reel and stuff. But I also think it's important to note that like, when you're in college, it's the only time you're actually going to be taking classes, probably that you'd have the opportunity of taking stuff that's like interesting, but maybe not animation related. Like in NYU, one of the coolest classes I took was, it was like an introduction to graphic novel course. And we like read yeah, Mouse awesome. and like Watchmen and all these, and it got me into kind of comics. And I know that's like not that far from animation, <laughs> but it was still like, it was a really cool class that I remember. And I remember the professor and, um, it's take it easy on yourself and take explore classes that might be of interest to you. And, it, you know, you're paying this money, so you should enjoy what you're doing as well. Yeah, for sure. So. Yeah, it's it's really never too late for Ben and me specifically. Our entire animation education was in graduate school and beyond. So, you know, we didn't really touch animation very much in undergrad, but we still kind of are having successful careers. So you don't... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) for now. (laughs) But the point is, you absolutely don't have to be afraid if, you know, you just finished undergrad and you don't feel like you're ready to get a job in animation. You There's still ways to catch up. Yeah, Um, you are still such a little baby. (laughs) Don't worry. (laughs) And school should be fun. Yeah, absolutely. You have... 24-7 access to those friends in most cases and you know it is a very much once in a lifetime experience to be in college so yeah we can't recommend slaving away at your desk all the time and never socializing yeah it's just like what we talked about with it being the beginning of your career right where like Mm -hmm. you want a balance 
you yeah. know, you know, yeah. work hard, but you know, enjoy yourself too, and and be critical of your your work and your ability, but also cut yourself some slack. You know, it's, don't sacrifice your yeah. health. Like yeah. you want to keep your yeah. health in check. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a red flag if you're pulling all nighters. Yeah. Like it's not something you can do in a professional setting, so you want to try to avoid that. And I mean, this does hark back to a previous point on sort of prioritizing various classes but if you feel like you have to pull all-nighters because your workload is too heavy maybe reassess and think Hmm. about maybe my animation history or history of modern art paper is not as important as my character (laughs) animation class if i want to be a character animator i feel really terrible saying that but looking back As we said before, GPA did not matter whatsoever in terms of us getting a job. So I can't say that, you know, the hours I spent on those papers were very important. Unless you're interested (laughs) in like the topic and you like like it, then yeah, it's like... If you want to be a professor of history... That's cool. (laughs) But if you want to be an artist in the industry, it's probably time... Better, better spent better spent right, on right. the other classes sure. yeah all the professors are going to email us like I know, really mad so upset, like, why are you really? telling them to not prioritize my class <laughs> no but it's like, true yeah i mean that does tie back to the the short aspect as well but we, we keep it real on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we tell you the truth. If you just want a bunch of yes men and girls, you, you go somewhere else. So you're, get, you're getting the unfiltered truth here in the Un- animation healthy hour. And it's better to know this stuff now <laughs> while you're in school and you can course correct. Like if you're a freshman in college and you're listening to this podcast, I feel like that's awesome because you can make changes. You can... It's it's rough when you're like graduating. Well, I shouldn't say that actually. No, it's gonna that's be depressing. Okay. But you know what? It will feel that way. You'll right. probably yeah. feel like it's really rough. But I mean, Katie and I both changed when we were over a year out of mm-hmm. school. You know, and it was kind it's of never rough, too late. You know, but right. yeah, but you it can. Wasn't too late, yeah. Yeah, but sure, if you can course correct earlier on. I remember when I was like a sophomore in college, and I was like. Well, it's too late to change now. Like I'm, I'm 20 years old. Like I'm, I should be thinking about voice. my family. Yeah, in that voice. Yeah. My voice is stuck. Like this. 20 years old. Oh, my, my golly, I should be looking for a dame now. But, uh, but, and then Katie appeared, and then she appeared. Yeah. She appeared. But yeah, no, I, th- I think it's it's good to say that that okay. yeah, certainly, yeah, don't shy away from. Uh, yeah, switching things up. <laughs> <No> matter, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I understand that the not paying attention to certain classes as much advice is pretty tough advice to take if your teachers or your your parents are people that really mm, care, care about, about grades. GPA. Yeah, but that's a very good point. We can say as veterans and as someone who. I can say went to, went to Harvard and really cared about perfect grades at yeah. one point in my life that the grades I had in animation school didn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> you can send your parents to this podcast and tell them that's why I don't do I don't care about my GPA yeah. <laughs> because of Katie Lowe because of Katie yes, Lowe because <laughs> specifically of me. yes no, I but, will talk to your parents yeah and all things right within reason like we're not saying never go to the class that yeah. you don't care about it's just you know if you have assignments to work on and you're considering spending 12 hours on your paper versus 12 hours on your animation, maybe 
Maybe three on the paper and nine on the animation, yeah. right? <laughs> Some good math, like that, by but, the way. Yeah. Hey, thanks. We should, we Wait, should, does that check out? <laughs> we should caveat that I totally get that there are certain scholarships that require a specific GPA. Yeah. And we absolutely want to maintain point. GPA for that. For sure. So that is a giant disclaimer. But yeah. otherwise, yeah. Yeah, take it easy, guys. Sure. Chill, chill. Yeah. Have a beer. <laughs> Assess Relax. the situation. Yeah. Make your time work for you. Oh. <laughs> Great. All right. We are, it is time, guys. This is a classic moment oh. here. Time for MG. What a very special <laughs> moment in the podcast. Tip jar. Tip jar. Tip jar. <laughs> I was going to see how long we could go without actually saying tip jar. <laughs> I'm sorry. Of right time right. for a very special. A moment. It's this moment. It's the tip jar. It's the tip jar. Okay. Cut out everything I just said. I hate oh. it. <laughs> Leave I it in. I'm leaving everything in. All right. We're okay. So the tip jar. If you'd like to take it away, Ben. So the tip for this week is shoot reference of the opposite sex when animating a character of the opposite sex. Obviously, we're talking about this in very binary terms. Yes. We are yeah. accepting and pro yes. everyone. Obviously, it comes up very often that, you know, when you're animating, you a lot of times the, the characters we're animating are or the main cast will be a mixture of guys and girls. So regardless of what you are, you will most likely be animating the opposite at some point. Mm-hmm. So and even though you might be an amazing actor, um, it's important to to get someone else in there because I think, you know, all of us speaking from experience of, of asking people from the opposite sex to shoot reference for us, there's usually some something, yeah, <laughs> you know, a little yeah. almost intangible things sometimes that absolutely. end up coming through and making your performance mm-hmm. so much richer. I mean, as much as I am a uh, princess <laughs> right. um, at Disney for Frozen, <laughs> we I had to ask a lot of, uh, female animators to help me out with Anna and Elsa, and they gave me so much good stuff um, in reference. They, yeah, it just it's helpful to to get the mechanics of a the opposite sex. Yeah, I mean Ben and I being married, which I mention a lot, <laughs> we we trade reference back and forth all the time. Yeah, and it's actually you know it's really fun too. Like. I know, like, Ben and I recently shot reference for being Anna and Kristoff, and that was cute to work that yeah. into the movie. So it's, you know... It, We're it's, providing it, that in the show notes to everyone to say, no, I'm just kidding, <laughs> oh, we can't. It has to come out after the movie, but yeah. <laughs> no, no, yeah. Um, it's, it's something you'll have fun doing, so we, we highly recommend it. You know, and kind of from a higher level, I don't know if this is the case for everyone, but I remember in school, there was almost a little bit sometimes of a stigma with depending on reference too much mm-hmm. you know with like i remember very much feeling myself like oh a real animator shouldn't have to Does look at like reference. act oh, out the yeah. reference this like is you could almost just... like number 11 <laughs> yeah I, things i wish i really is. yeah yeah <laughs> but man shoot reference yeah. like the best animators in the industry yeah. still shoot references mm-hmm still shoot reference for even the simplest <laughs> shots at times because there there's such a, a wealth of, you know, valuable little movements and tips and things here mm-hmm. and there that will make your animation so much better. So even if you feel like you don't need it, shoot it, take a look at it. I'm not saying you have to follow it religiously, mm-hmm. but 
Yeah, You'll use it, so man. Much it's a tool. It. Hope you guys enjoyed that tip. Now we're going to turn it over to Katie to talk about our real lotto. Yes, we are running a demo reel review lottery slash portfolio review lottery. And the way to enter is to rate us on iTunes and just send us some kind of proof that you did a rating, maybe a screen capture, and email it to our email, animationhappyhour at gmail.com. And the idea behind this review is that we will would do some sort of screen capture video where we're framing through your animation or we're, we're looking at the different pages of your portfolio um, with live audio of us talking over it. And we totally <laughs> realized that we're all CG feature animators. So if you're yeah. a different specialty, if you're a modeler or a storyboarder, uh, we have friends in the industry who are experts on those topics and we'll bring them on to also do a review. So we highly encourage you to apply slash Submit. Um, and we should mention that we're not super big at the moment. So the odds of being selected are pretty high. Yes. <laughs> Very likely to be reviewed. So we, yeah, yeah. Take your chances and, and submit a rating. And we're excited to uh, interact with your work and, and give back. Yeah. And feel free to check out animationhappyhour.com for further details about the real review lotto. If you guys can only remember a few things from the episode, you know, just kind of the takeaways, uh, just remember your reel or portfolio is the most important thing to work on when getting considered for a job and, uh, take school seriously, but don't put too much pressure on yourself and please reach out to us, uh, about this episode or anything else. Yeah, let us yeah. know your thoughts. Let us know if there's something you think we missed. That was a huge thing. That, yeah. You know, if you're Please. in school now or, or, or recently mm-hmm. graduated, we would love to hear if there's something really valuable you yeah. wish you knew while you were in school. Totally. And that brings us to the end of our episode on things we wish we knew. My name is Katie. I'm Ben. And I'm Garrett. Thanks for listening and happy, happy animation.